In those regions, there are a great amount of trees and forests, and thus a vast amount of wood to build the much-needed fencing. In the New England states, there were no great forests, but there was an ample amount of rock which could be used to build stone fences, many of which are still in use today. In a few states, there was enough rainfall that hedges could be grown for fencing, such as is seen in great abundance in Europe. But the western U.S. doesn't have enough rainfall to make hedges practical. And while stones are obviously to be found there, how could a stone fence be made long enough and strong enough to control hundreds, if not thousands, of cattle? Where would they find the manpower, let alone all of the rocks, to erect and maintain thousands of miles of stone fence? While there was plenty of wood in other parts of the nation to facilitate the need, it was impractical that all fencing be supplied by the lumber industry. Even treated wood exposed to the elements requires great amounts of upkeep, and this alone made it prohibitive for use, besides the wood fence's great initial expense. Lack of adequate fencing was stymieing the growth of Western society. In order for the United States to continue its progress, some solution was desperately needed. To understand just how big this problem was, I quote from the book, The Wire That Fenced the West. Questions pertaining to fencing occupied more space in public print or newspapers than any other issue in America. It is hard for us to imagine anything in the news taking up more time and space than politics, economics, sports, or the latest scandals. And yet the issue of fencing was absolutely that important. Enter the Barbed Wire Fence In an effort to meet this need, many men set forth to produce practical, affordable fencing. In the decade following the Civil War, over 800 fence patents were issued. A large number of these patents were given to men who had designed what came to be known as barbed wire. While sales of these various and somewhat odd-looking fences were taking place around the nation with varying success, none really captured the imagination of the farmers and ranchers in the West, where it was so desperately needed. One of the main reasons for this reluctance was lack of confidence on the part of the cattlemen. It seemed unlikely to them that a few thin strands of wire could hold back even one Texas longhorn, let alone a whole herd. Events finally transpired, however, that literally changed history. The fence and the salesmen who sold it were what brought that change. The original patent for this fence is the one I saw at the National Archives. Named The Winner by its inventor, it has been called The Wire That Fenced the West. The reason it vastly outsold its competitors was not that it was any stronger or had any distinct advantage by way of design. Its success was due entirely to a 22-year-old salesman named John Gates. John Warner Gates was a depressed young man. A salesman for Joseph Glidden, he just could not sell any barbed wire anywhere, not even in the cattle town of San Antonio, Texas. Cattlemen, farmers, and Texas Longhorn were there aplenty, and they all needed suitable, affordable fencing. But the Texans thought that Gates' thin, scrappy wire was a joke when compared to the strength of the Texas Longhorn. John Warner Gates, therefore, had no takers for his product. As he sat dejectedly in one of San Antonio's many saloons, he was suddenly hit with an idea that he thought just might turn the trick. Just outside of town, 
he marked off a huge area with fence posts and strung them with six strands of his barbed wire. He then published a proclamation daring the rural and city people to come and see an amazing feat. On the appointed day, ranchers, farmers, grangers, nesters, and almost everybody came to see Gates' foolhardy demonstration. With a fence in place, Gates' hired men began herding hundreds of Texas longhorns into the enclosed area. The Texans dealt with these creatures on a daily basis and were familiar with both their strength and wild nature. The onlookers laughed, saying, There is no way that fence is going to hold those longhorns. They plainly thought Gates was crazy. But as the longhorns were herded in, the doubters were amazed as they watched them rush up to the fence, brush against it, and then back away from it. They'd hit it a lick and then decide that it wasn't such a good idea to get too close to it. After a while, to everyone's astonishment, the longhorns settled down. Then an even more amazing thing happened. Some say John Gates himself did it, others say he hired somebody to do it, but whoever did it must have been desperate for money. Someone took a fire torch and ran into the midst of the longhorns, swinging it around their head and screaming like a banshee. The cattle, though crazed with fear and running pell-mell within the confines of the fence, did not tear it down. At this point, John Gates leapt to a platform holding a strand of the barbed wire and bellowed, This is the finest fence in the world. It's as light as air, 